Come, you that are breathless, to the Holy One, that you may be filled with the breath of life. Breathing in and breathing out, we know the breath of life. Bring us life, Holy One. Bring us breath. Bring us the water of life. God Triune, bring your presence nearby, that we would feel your breath and drink your water, that we would raise our voices in prayer and praise, that we would be gathered by the love and grace of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Lord. Amen. Let us rise and sing, I want Jesus to walk with me. From the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After Jesus had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was a already a considerable distance from land, now buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Maybe be seated. <clears throat> we'll call this one important moments often forgotten or dismissed. How many are the times that I have preached on this particular text? Lots. In looking back through those sermons, they all have the same predictable elements. They begin with commending Peter's faith for getting out of the boat and walking on water. Next, they move to criticizing Peter for taking his eyes off of Jesus. His faith falters. He begins to sink, but Jesus, not wanting to lose Peter to the depths in drowning, reaches out his hand and saves him. Almost all of those homilies conclude with an admonition to be very courageous, to get out of whatever boat you're in, step out onto the water, and do so by keeping your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And they all, all conclude, Amen. In the end, it winds up being a set of sermons, or even gospel-centered on Peter. Peter and his action, the dimensions of his faith, his capacity to call out when in trouble, and the finishing touch. Peter, who is heralded because he is saved. In many of the sermons I've preached on this text, it is as if Peter is painted front and center on this canvas, larger than life. And then there would be a boat, the waves, the fear on the face of the other disciples, and even Jesus himself all painted way in the back of this particular painting. So, what happens when we paint the picture like that and Peter is front and center? What happens when we place Peter at the center of this story? What happens? I think. I think that what happens is that we herald Peter as one with just enough faith to step out onto the water, to rely on the voice of Jesus beckoning him to come, and then we laud and praise Peter as an example of our own faith 
often weak, but willing to take certain risks. And we do so, all of this, with little regard for Jesus, leaving him in the backdrop, in the background, a silent partner, or like the text says, a ghost. In stark contrast, what happens if we start at the end of the story and use the end of the story as a lens through which we understand the whole of the story? The end of the story. And they climbed into the boat, the wind died off, and all in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, You are Lord and Savior. The end of this story reveals the following. It says, they climbed into the boat, which means Jesus grabs hold of Peter and with his little faith pulls him up out of his drowning and walks with him across the water back and they climb into the boat together. All of this with Peter's too short supply of faith, his faith mixed with outrageous doubt, Jesus grabs hold of all of that and they walk back to the boat and climb in together. Now, the front end of the story tells us that Jesus is with the disciples, they're doing a certain amount of ministering, and at some point, Jesus says, we've got to go to the other side. So, you all get into the boat and start to head out. I need to pray for a little while. Jesus does just that. And then at some point when Jesus is done with prayer, Jesus says, hmm, I need to be on the other side of the lake. He could have teleported. He could have snapped his fingers and gotten there instantly. He could have literally walked across the water and beat them to the other side of the lake. Or he could have ascended and descended and just arrived there. But he doesn't. The story reveals that he wants to be with the disciples. So what does he do? He finishes his prayer and walks across the lake to be with them. And they recognize him at a distance. It is his desire to be with them. For a moment, though, consider the boat. It is one of the earliest symbols for the Christian community of faith. And this story indicates why the boat is attractive. That when surrounded by adversity... Safety and salvation are experienced with Jesus on the boat, in the boat. Even with waves crashing in and fear abounding, it is on the boat with Jesus where there is safety and salvation. Remember that a boat in early Christian literature is not a static symbol 
The boat is a vehicle used to get from here to somewhere. So where was the boat going with its cargo of disciples and Jesus? The boat and the cargo are going to somewhere else to share the message of Jesus that God is among us, Jesus with us. Jesus uses even the little faith and fear experienced on that boat to communicate the love and passion of God. Just like he grabbed Peter and got into the boat, he does no less with us. Grabbing us, holding us, not letting us go, climbing into our boat as it journeys to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you call us to let go of the things that we cling to and step out in faith, trusting in your love and care. Give us courage to step out boldly with faith to follow without fear. Take our lives, take our fear, take our gifts. Use them to accomplish more than we can possibly imagine so that through us your kingdom might come and your will be done. There is so much in the world for which we want to pray. Today, we remember before you our friend Jarvis Streeter, and for Peter Carlson, and for Garo's family as they grieve and remember and treasure his life. For Chris Karsten, and for our students who are grieving as well. Keep them all in your close embrace. Thank you for the gift of a new bishop elect for our Southwest California Synod. We pray for our friend and brother Guy Irwin as he meets the press and thinks about what is to come. We have changed his life radically and yet with joy we release him from this university and send him into ever-widening circles of influence and vision and love and care. We pray for all those of our students who are studying in travel seminars and for the students who are enrolled in classes here and at our other campuses. Give them bright moments of learning filled with aha and wow moments and delight them with the place that is Cal Lutheran. All these things we pray in your name, in the name of God whose love for us never fails. Amen. Would you stand for the blessing? Step out then in the deep embrace of our Creator. Head out from the safety of the shore into the current of this turbulent life knowing that the mystery of God holds you and will reveal to you more truth than you can ever imagine. Go in peace to love and serve God by loving and serving others. Amen. Amen.